was a good friend of mine. Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in our studio today is my co-pilot, Lil Baron. Hey, Mr. Case. Lil Baron. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing good. It's a good day. It is a good day. Yeah. So, hey, I found this article. Okay. It's called, You Might Be Surprised by All the Major Health Benefits of Chia Seeds. Really? And I read it, and I'm going to be honest with you, I was surprised. Really? <laughs> I wasn't expecting so much from okay. a tiny little seed. So okay. I want to share a few of them. We don't okay. have time to do them all, but I want to share a couple of them. Okay. Uh, chia, the, first of all, just to understand, they're a small, kind of subtly flavored seed that comes from an annual herbaceous plant mm-hmm. that's called salvia hispanica oh yeah so i don't know it's it's kind of a from the uh the a member of the mint family it's native to mexico and central america and there's some there's some great benefits from eating chia seeds so i want to start off with the serving size they say a serving size is about one ounce which is approximately two and a half tablespoons of chia seeds oh but in just that small amount they contain 138 calories but five grams of protein, yeah. nine grams of fat, one gram of saturated fat is, is all the rest of it is, is the good unsaturated fat, five grams of omega-3 fat, oh. 12 grams of carbs, and 10 grams of fiber. Hmm. So a lot of stuff, it's a very nutrient-dense food, mm-hmm. and it can help athletes and others meet their nutritional needs. That's according to Dana Norris who is a registered dietitian. She says that's because they provide protein, the omega-3 fatty acids, fiber, and many other nutrients like magnesium, mm-hmm. calcium, phosphorus, and potassium. So there's a lot to benefit yeah. from including some chia seeds in your diet. Number one is the mega healthy fat. Yes. We mentioned that before, but some people still consider high fat foods like chia as the enemy, mm-hmm. but uh, they're really our allies when it comes to our health and right. wellness, especially if we get the right types of yeah. fat. So only about 11% of the fat present in chia seed is saturated. The rest is those health benefiting monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats. Chia seeds also have a type of omega-3 fatty acid that is deemed essential and therefore must be obtained from the diet. This is interesting. An analysis of the data from 41 different studies. So they took 41 different studies Uh on chia seeds. They brought it all together, kind of synthesized it all into everything. They published this story in uh, the journal BMJ, and it linked a high intake of omega-3 fatty acids to 10% lower risk of all-cause mortality. So Uh get those omega-3s and you have a 10% chance less chance of dying from all the causes, right? Wow. An 8% lower risk of death from cardiovascular disease and an 11% reduced risk of death from coronary heart disease compared with those who are consuming lower levels of the omega-3. So it's a great way. Yeah. And, and it's in other foods as well, oh, yeah. salmon and other things, yeah. but it's a great way to get those omega-3s. Number two is filling fiber. 
Mm. We've talked about fiber yes. before. Yeah. Uh, a mere tablespoon of servings of chia seeds delivers about four grams of fiber. Wow. And that's significant considering that many of us struggle to reach <laughs> our daily quota of fiber. <laughs> Men typically require about 38 grams of fiber oh. and women need about 25 grams. And most of us are not getting that. So a daily serving or two of chia can make it a lot easier to get enough fiber hmm. for our better health. Uh, findings in a study published in the journal, The Lancet, suggests that high fiber eaters or those who consume at least 25 grams of fiber have a 15 to 30% lower risk of heart attack, oh. stroke, type 2 diabetes, colorectal cancer, and cardiovascular related death compared to those who don't eat as much fiber. So you got to get your fiber. Right. That's important. Oh. Dietary fiber helps to regulate the digestive system. We know that mm -hmm. it feeds the good bacteria in the gut and it promotes satiety, which is that feeling yeah. of fullness yeah. and it positively impacts cholesterol levels and helps manage energy throughout the day. So get the fiber and chia yeah. seeds might be a way to do that. Number three is bone building nutrients. Oh, See, that was one that really surprised yeah, that me. I didn't realize that, me. but with about 15% of the daily need for calcium in a two tablespoon serving, chia seeds are a viable non-dairy source of calcium. Huh. A lot of calcium there. It also has magnesium and phosphorus, which are two other micronutrients in chia that also work to improve our bone yeah. health, which is important. And additionally, you get iron from chia seeds as well, mm -hmm. which is uh, necessary for helping transport oxygen to your working muscles. And though the form of iron in chia and other plant-based foods is not as well absorbed as those that you find in meats, especially mm -hmm. red meats, mm -hmm. you can help partially remedy that by consuming the seeds with a source of vitamin C. So like berries, for example. Mm -hmm. So if you threw chia seeds in a smoothie that had mm -hmm. some berries in it, you can uh, get the benefits of the iron better huh. that way. And finally, the last thing that they talk about that is uh, a surprising health benefit of chia seeds are protein. Yes. Now we've talked about protein yes. as well and how important yes. that is. As more people pivot to a plant-based proteins, uh, it's helpful to know that chia seeds are a pretty good source. You get about two to three grams in each tablespoon, and that makes them more protein dense than most nuts, including oh, almonds. Wow. So uh, a good way to get your protein there as well. Now, ways that you might get chia seeds into your diet. I mentioned one earlier uh, in smoothies, but you can <laughs> sprinkle them over your oatmeal, your yogurt, yep. cottage cheese, steamed or roasted vegetables. Uh, salads is a great way yep. to put them in there. And then of course you can blend them in your smoothies for a nutritional boost and incorporate them into your homemade energy bars. So lots of ways to get them yeah. and uh, man, there's some good benefits. Yeah. So I actually like to see. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So, so something to consider today's guest yes. is one of our amazing athletes. Yeah. Marianne Daniel is a first year competitor at the Huntsman world senior games, but um, that doesn't mean that she hasn't been competing all around the world. L listen to just a few, just a couple <laughs> okay. of the accomplishments that she has been able to achieve. She is a six-time national race walk champion, former American and world record holder, 19-time USA track and field national team member, Pan Am Games bronze medalist in 1987, which incidentally wow. was the first year of the Huntsman yes. World Senior Games. She presently competing. She is presently competing in the masters division with five USA national masters records. Wow. And there's more, there's more, but to put a cherry on top of all of it, she also won three gold medals at the Huntsman world senior oh. games last year. Marianne, welcome to yes. the show. Yes, Marianne. Oh, welcome. Good to be with you, <laughs> man. You have had some success in race walking. 
Oh, I didn't talk about my unsuccessful. (laughs) (laughs) It's a process, right? It's a process for all of us. But you have uh, really been a a great example and a, a ton of success in race walking. Let's talk about race walking. What does it take to be a great race walker? Okay, well, race walking has been in the Olympics since 1904. And it is a sport in a lot of other countries that uh, kids grow up doing, you know, as part of track and field. Not so much in our country. Uh, We have track and field in Maine and New York that has a a high school program. But uh, in some colleges will have uh, race walking as part of their competition. But Uh, To be a good race walker, you need good core strength, as you do for many different sports. And um, race walking requires that you adhere to two rules. So the first rule is that the lead foot has to touch down the instant of or before the rear foot leaves the ground. Hmm. So at no point are you in the air as you are when you're running. Right. And the other rule is that the knee has to be straightened upon contact with the ground, upon heel contact. And you see the guys going along at a six minute a mile clip for 35 kilometers. Um, it, it looks pretty much like funny running, but there <laughs> are judges along the course that make sure that the athletes are not running. So it's a, uh, it's a kind of an unusual sport in in the U.S. anyhow, but in other countries, it's a, it's a sport that a lot of the Nordic countries had adapted to because in the winter they would have their cross country skiing, and in the summer those very same athletes. This is years ago, would also be sometimes the Olympic race walk champions because the motion is sort of similar. They went into the speed skating sort of um, cross country skiing, then that kind of disappeared. But before that, uh, Scandinavian countries were very big on race walking. Yeah, we, we've noticed that and, and know that here at the games that it's not as popular here in the United right. States, but in Europe, it's a very, very popular sport. And there is, as you said, Marianne, there is a little bit of a unique style and kind of a unique gait to it, but it is a very, very efficient way to cover <laughs> a lot of ground very quickly yeah. if you can do it correctly. Right. Some people pick it up very quickly. Other people have to work on it, just like just like any sport, you know, tennis, you know, the getting down the serve. Some people just acquiesce quickly and others have to work. But a lot of people think we're shifting our hips from side to side. What we're actually doing is rotating them underneath us to get each stride to be a little bit longer. And that's where it takes that core strength. So I tell people that maybe never want to compete in race walking. I tell them that it's a great fitness tool because doing a mile of race walking is like doing 50 crunches, especially targeting at lower abdominal area. And uh, one of the great benefits is when you're running, you come down with three or four times your own body weight. When you're just regular pedestrian walking, you come down with about 
two times your body weight. But because of the way the race walker will land and roll on their foot, they're only coming down with one and a half times oh. their body weight. So it's less jarring through, you know, the ankles, through the knees, through the hips. So if, wow. if you're doing it correctly, it's uh, virtually a injury-free sport. That's, it, that's like interesting. I did not know that. <laughs> there are sometimes, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a risk involved in everything, right? certainly. And uh, race walking would be no exception to that. But that is fascinating to me. I, I know that running, you know, that jarring yeah. aspect. And, and there are some, you know, there's some some consequences of that, but there are also some benefits as well. There's some bone strengthening aspects right. of that. Right. But there are but there is a potential for injury, yeah. especially prolonged uh, you know, use of our <laughs> joints and muscles in that way. There is potential for injury there. I didn't realize that about race walk, you know, that's fascinating either. to me that you can almost it's not it's not um no impact right but less impact that's fascinating yeah to me. and if you have if you had a runner and a race walker going along at the same pace the race walker would be burning more calories because they're using sort of a swing mechanism as opposed to a spring mechanism so that yes. costs the body more calories but huh. you know, the wonderful uh fitness tool but the See, thing is you have to have them going at the same pace <laughs> that yeah. is interesting to me as well i did not know that i'm learning all either. these great things yeah. about race walking that's fantastic now marianne you you mentioned earlier that there are judges out on the course to make sure that you stay uh you know appropriately within this this right the, the right format the right technique that you're using and you happen to be an internationally certified judge as well i'm wondering if being a judge has helped you be a better race walker or if they're just completely separate things? Um, it might be the other way. Having been a race walker, <laughs> I understand the mechanism of it. And when I see it, I can relate to it. And, and it's, you know, I, I had been race walking for a good 10, 12 years before I even started to do any race walk judging. Uh, in the beginning, it was a little hard because I was judging sometimes the same people I was racing against. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, I kind of surprised myself in that I could just focus on the, the legs and the feet of the athletes and make a decision and then I would look up and go, oh, darn it. That's my good plan. <laughs> and the way, um, the way the judging works is on a uh, race walking usually takes place, if it's on the road, takes place on a like a two-kilometer course. So it's not like a out and back, like right. a marathon or half marathon. So it's in a controlled area. And on a road course, you might have nine judges. On a track, you'd only have to have five judges. So the judges are watching in their zone. And if an athlete is breaking any one of those two rules, they give an athlete, if they clearly see the rules being violated, they will write up a red card. And if you have three different judges put in a red card for that athlete, then they're disqualified. Oh. Uh, so 
I'm curious in the judging that you have done and the experience that you've had as a race walker as well, how often are people disqualified? Is that kind of a rarity or does that happen pretty regularly? More, more rarity, um, say at the Olympics and the world championship level, there might be uh, 80, 90 athletes in the race and you might have five or six disqualifications. And they, at that level, they usually happen because some athletes are chasing one another and they're down to the last part. And they're not intentionally doing it, but just in the excitement of the race, they're coming off the ground. So with elite athletes, it's more likely that they have the violation of being in the air, you know, Mm. having both feet off the ground. With... um, with some of the older athletes in local races, you might have a lot of people that have trouble straightening their knee. And if they, oddly enough, if they do a lot of regular pedestrian walking and they're switching into race walking, there's a small portion of that group that has trouble with the neuromuscular pathway where they have to um, straighten the knee and, you know, they're used to always having it slightly bent. It's slightly bent. So um, that, that is interesting to me as well, that, uh, that there are so few disqualifications. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm just learning a lot I know. about race walking. That is awesome. Now, I'm going to shift gears on you just a little bit. I, I happen to know that you are also a licensed massage therapist. And I'm, I'm just curious if that has helped you, the understanding of muscles and joints and things like that. Has that helped you be a better race walker or are they all totally, totally unrelated? Um, yes, because ter- I'm also a personal trainer. So I, I have to learn if, an, if a muscle is uh, weak, uh, you know, and, and I can see this in some of my clients, you know, they, they have very strong, say they have strong biceps, but their triceps are kind of weak. You know, that I, I can see that and I can offer them some suggestions for personal training. So I do the same with myself. So <laughs> I kind of test myself and and see if I have uh, an imbalance of, of the muscle. And I might say over the years, I've injured quite a few different muscles. So I'm intimately familiar with how it feels. <laughs> I get, I get I that some, for sure. Sympathy for my clients who... <laughs> Uh, particularly hamstring pulls, yeah, yeah, or sciatica, yeah, which is, which is how I got into massage therapy in the first place. I had a severe sciatica problem in my mid twenties and uh, tried everything, you know, probably the wrong things, overstretching, doing too much, and later on, I decided to go into uh, massage therapy school. So perfect, yeah. sounds like a good fit. Yeah. Now you've you've had a, a a wonderful career that has spanned many years of race walking. I mean, obviously you were race walking at the elite level in, in 1987 at the Pan Am Games. You yeah. had a lot of success. Um, we got about I don't know three or four minutes left, but tell us a favorite story. What's what's one of your favorite experiences that you've had as an athlete as a race walker? Well, I'll tell you. Just uh, this past fall coming to the Huntsman Games for the first time. I had heard of the Huntsman Games, but I didn't really 
know what it was about. And I knew that they had race walking in it. And I finally looked into it. Um, several of my friends had gone and raved over it. And now I understand why. <laughs> but right from the very beginning, just just signing up and, and picking up our numbers and credentials, everybody was just so enthusiastic, so nice. The, the whole venue was well laid out, well thought about. Um, the, uh, the couple, Kathy and Norm Frable, who run the race walk, had all everything, all, and it's, it's hard to get all the volunteer help that you need, yeah. but I think they selected people from their neighborhood and forced <laughs> them to go. And it was just, it was just delightful. The uh, the awards that are given afterwards, and everybody's around cheering, very supportive. The the race walkers support the power walkers, and vice versa. It was just a, a marvelous experience. Well, thank you. Yeah. That's very kind of you to say. And and uh, you know, so many of our athletes have that same experience because as you've said, Marianne, it's really about the people. It's about the volunteers. It's about your competitors. And we see that across the board. You know, we see it here, but even in, in other events and masters and senior sports, there's a level of competition for sure. People want to come, they want to do their best. Uh, they want to win if they can. We all feel that inside of us. We have that drive, but there is also just something special about masters and seniors uh, in particular, where there's just a feeling of camaraderie and friendship and help. And I, I know you've experienced that on both sides of the coin. You've probably received advice and help from race walkers. I know you've been able to share it and give it as well. And that's one of the things that just makes something like the Huntsman World Senior Games so special. A lot of people feel maybe a, a, level, a level of intimidation. I haven't competed for a long time. What if I go and I'm embarrassed or whatever? But there really isn't that aspect of it. There's just friendship, camaraderie, help, and it just makes it fun, right? Uh, more so than any other competition I've been at. So it's, oh. it, like you said, it's just very warm and welcoming place. And for somebody who's never competed Everybody gathered around that person and cheered them. Uh, the very in the 5K, the very last gentleman who was out on the course, several of us just decided that we were going to walk next to him, make sure Aww. he didn't fall down. <laughs> I think he was in his 80s and uh, he just had a blast and we enjoyed it too. Yeah. We were part of his success, I guess. There um, is something special. And everybody in it administration everybody all they were all for the athletes trying to do everything they can to make it a, a positive experience awesome well we're glad that you had a great time that's that's what we strive for yes. and uh glad that you had a good experience there we've got about 30 seconds left any advice for somebody who's listening to the show and thinking well maybe race walk could work for me what would you tell that person uh, you can look it up online and see what it's about. Uh, race walkers, as you said, are very uh, willing and eager to share the sport. And uh, and they have power walking, so you don't have to adhere to the true rules. You just have to walk fast. Just don't run. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw so many people doing it for the first time this past fall in the power walk, and they were ready to come back next year. So... Uh, just take a chance on it. Just 
come and be part of the wonderful celebration of just being able to to move and in, enjoy other people doing the same thing. I love it. Marianne, yeah. thank you so thank much you. for joining us and best of luck in your continued uh, training. And we hope to see you next October here yep. in St. George. Once yep, again. I'm planning on it. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Well, thank, thank you so you. much for joining us. Thank you so much. I, I really did learn a lot about race walking. I, I mean, I feel like I know no more than most, right. but there were several things that I didn't know. So yeah. that was cool. Just a few things to wrap us up here. I want to remind everyone that team registration is open. It is. And man, we have just registered a bunch of teams. So here's my advice. If you go to the site and you see that your age division is full, if you're a manager, if you're a coach and you're trying to get your team in, get on that waiting list. We can oftentimes get people off the waiting list, but we yeah. can't do that if you're not on the waiting list. So yeah. uh, get on there. And all you have to do is just uh, start the registration process. If your division is full, you'll mm-hmm. automatically go on mm-hmm. the waiting list. Individual registration will open on March 1st yeah. at the stroke of midnight mountain time. <laughs> right. So put that on your calendar, set an alarm on your phone. And uh, many of our individual sports do tend to fill up quickly as well. So if you haven't already, make a new year's resolution to compete. And then sign up early and commit yourself to it. (laughs) Remember to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. We take this live show and turn it into a podcast. And you can subscribe anywhere that you find your podcasts. If you are listening by podcast, take a moment and give us a rating, write a quick review. It really helps us spread the word. You can check this as well as previous shows out on our website as well, which is SeniorGames.net. So check that out. Today's inspirational thought comes from the 16th president of the United States of America, Abraham Lincoln. I I was going to say, I know that one. (laughs) He says, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Until next Thursday, stay active. Stay active.